Yeah, it's that thing that you get to the age where you're wondering if I can see my notes, I can't see everybody else, but if I can see everybody else, I can't see my notes. It's that thing. Well, folks, this morning I've got good news for you. Um, I've got good news and I've got good news. Um, and that was a word from God this morning while we were praying, actually. Um, because, yeah, the only thing that you'll ever hear announced um, at this microphone is good news. Um, and Jesus has got good news for us this morning. So, um, as, as we have done through Advent, um, we have got um, a series of things thinking, what is it all about? We've had it's all about the bread, which is about life, really. It's all about light. And as you, everybody would agree, at Christmas, it's all about the kids. So, it's all about the kids. And I mean, like, really, it's, it's all about the kids, Whose kids? What kids? Why? Well, as you all know, in John, uh, all know, I think we're most of us familiar with it. In John chapter 1, it talks about us getting the right to become children of God. What an amazing thing that is. So let's have a think about this. First of all, can we say together, guys, can you all stand up? All right, this is the. This is the usual, try and keep everybody warm on uh, December morning in Derry. Okay, let's, let's, let's say this together and, you know, just remind ourselves that we're actually looking forward to the coming of Jesus here. Okay, so, Lord, in this Advent season, we consider that you are near to us, not far away, as some suppose. Jesus as you made your home room with humanity, come, make your home in our hearts today by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you. You can sit down now. So, a couple of questions. And you should, um, somewhere around about, we don't have a great many of the printed sheets. Apologise for that. But you should, you should be able to see... Um, a printed sheet somewhere near you um, with some of these on. Um, but as usual, a couple of questions to think about as we start off. Firstly, what does it actually mean to be a child of God? We're used, those of us who've been around church for a long time, we've heard all that kind of language, all the words, and we're sort of familiar with them. Oh yes, child of God, you know, it's a thing it says, God is our father, we address God as our father, etc., etc. We just do that, it's, it's part of the background music. But what does it actually mean? Let's, let's see if we can actually get some insight from, from, from the Bible, from God, um, as to what that actually means. And the second question, what things can we do to live as children of God? And so we're going to have a slight, 
I don't know, perhaps it might seem a little bit strange that we're going to think about being like children, being childlike, and yet at the same time we're going to think, well, is there anything we can kind of do in a kind of adult way, have a to-do list of things to do to be childlike? That seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? But let's see if we can actually do, think of things which will help with that. So as always, where do we, where do we look to, to get our understanding from? We look to get our understanding from the Word of God. And part of the word of God is certainly what he speaks to us through his spirit. But we have the written word of God, the Bible as well. And all through this Advent season, we've been looking at John chapter 1. Really famous chapter. Absolutely beautiful, stunning, profound poetry of language. And absolute astonishing depth of truth about God, about Jesus, about what Jesus came to do. So let's have a look at this little bit of John. John chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. This actually follows on directly from the one passage we read last week. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What an amazing thing that is, children of God. There's another passage, um, which I felt would kind of go with this one, um, which is worth reading. And this is, in a a way, this is almost like one of those little things which you can buzz past when you read the Bible, when you read the stories of Jesus' life and the things he did and said. But this, this, this one is something that happened, um, you know, much later on, obviously, in Jesus' ministry. Um, when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter. By the way, two drachmas wasn't a lot. It's a couple of quid. Okay. Um, came up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first. Notice that. This is Jesus being Jesus, already knowing what the situation was and already knowing what the important things behind the situation were. And said, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. And of course, there's, you know, it goes on to show how Jesus miraculously produced um, you know, the money that was necessary. Um, just to show you know, that, yeah, no, we're not, you know, we're not claiming that we're you know, beyond all rules and regulations. This is the law, we pay our taxes. So Jesus said, yeah, just to show them, we'll, we'll get the money. Okay. But it's this little aside about from whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? then the sons are free. So, have a think about this then. Am I a son of the king? If the, if the sons of the king are free, if they have that sort of status that's different, well, 
Could I have that kind of status? Let's see. Remember that we often frame things here with the story of the whole, really the story of the universe, about how God created everything beautiful. But it became broken because of the way that humanity rebelled. But God set in motion a plan to heal that brokenness, which will eventually end up with everything being made whole again. We talk about that beautiful, broken, healing whole. It says right at the start of the Bible that God created people in his image to, to carry his image, to carry his likeness. If you think about that, that's quite parental, isn't it? You know, when we have children, people say, oh, look, he's got his daddy's eyes. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's a thing that actually God was like a father to us. Although if you think about it, whenever we start saying God is like something, we're possibly not really looking at it quite the right way around because actually God is the real thing. God is the real father. That is real fatherhood. Everything, everything in creation is just a reflection of the reality of God. Remember that. So God's not like a father. God is the father. But God, like a good father, made a home for his children. Eden was the place where God lived with his children. Where it says how he'd, you know, he'd be in the habit of walking and talking with them in, in the evening when it was cooler. You know, God lived with people. That was what Eden was for. It was a place for God to live with his people. And do you know something else that God did with his children, Adam and Eve? Is he actually brought them into the family business. That's something that in, you know, pre-modern societies would have been pretty commonplace, is that the children would grow up in their father's business. You know, Jesus grew up to learn to be a carpenter because that's what his father was. And, you know, still nowadays we see that kind of thing, don't we? What was God's family business then that he brought Adam and Eve into? Okay, well, their business was to rule over creation. That's the job that God gave them, to look after creation. Rule over doesn't necessarily mean, you know, lord it over and be all high and mighty. No, we're talking about looking after, caring for creation. That was God's business when he created the world, that he was going to love it and look after it. And he gave his children that task as well. But of course, we, we know the story. Humanity decided, Adam and Eve decided that I'm tired of being treated like a kid. I want to stand on my own two feet. I want to have the right to decide what's right and what's wrong. Because they didn't just do that by themselves. The devil came along and kind of sowed that seed in their head. You know, isn't God holding out on you a bit? Isn't God treating you like kids? You know, he's not actually giving you the authority to, you know, to stand up and make your own decisions. And so, of course, they rebelled and decided that they wanted to put themselves first. But the funny thing is, we know that when you try and put yourself first and rule your own life, you're not actually the one who winds up in charge. And the way the Bible puts it is it talks a lot about idolatry, about worshipping idols. In other words, setting up something else as the most important thing, the thing that you give honour to, the thing that actually has the authority over your life. And we, when you hear the word idol, we probably think about our, like, you know, old statues of ridiculous gods. 
Okay, but we have idols too in our hearts. And it's all about what do you put first? What do you allow to rule your life? And that's what humanity did. And that's the situation we've been stuck in ever since. Except that God never had the plan to leave it that way. God always had the plan to fix that. And so even though Adam and Eve were thrown out of Eden, thrown out of the family home, and became like orphans. God never had the intention of leaving that way, and he didn't leave it that way. So, how do we get back to Eden? How do we actually find our way back to the family home, to being children of God again. Most of us know the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And we know how this son went up to his father and said, effectively, do you know what? I'm tired of waiting for you to die so I can inherit my, you know, my money. I'm a little bit tired of waiting for you to die. Um, to be honest, I'd be much happier if you died right now. Um, but perhaps you could just give me my inheritance anyway. And decides that he doesn't want to be a child of his father in his father's house. And heads off. And wastes all the money. And <coughs> thinks that he's putting himself in charge and ruling his own life. But ends up actually at the lowest of the low. Where pretty much even the pigs have it better than him. And so he comes to his senses eventually, realises he's blown it. And he hatches a plot to go back to his father and say, well, obviously I can't really be called your son anymore. I'm not worthy of that. But, you know, perhaps if there's like, you know, maybe you could find me a role that's maybe just a little higher than the pigs. That would be an improvement on my current situation. But of course, we know what happens, don't we? is that he never got the chance to say all this because his father came running out while he was still a long way off. As Jesus tells the story, he puts that in. He was obviously looking out for him. And he welcomes him back into the home. You see, God is longing to welcome us back into his family, to welcome us back as children. So, actually, that question, am I a child of God? You know, does, well, first of all, you've got to actually make like a prodigal son and come to your senses and realise I should go back to my father. And that's an important thing. Um, you know, for those of us who've been around church for a long time, which I think is most of us here, but maybe not everybody, you know, we're kind of familiar with that whole thing. We talk about repenting, getting saved and so on. Well, in John chapter 1 there that we read, it does say to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right. That's not actually God saying, well, if I'm in a good mood, you know, maybe if you, if you grovel a bit, then, you know, you can come crawling back. No, the right to become children of God. Think about that. 
So actually we know, you know, we know some of the things the Bible says, most of you will be familiar with, you know, in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now we're all used to religious language as well, aren't we? So saved, that sounds like religious language. And we could obviously go into that in enormous detail, um, but I'll spare you that. Um, but actually, the whole problem was that we'd been kicked out of Eden. We were separated from God. And separation from God inevitably leads, in the end, to death. But actually, being saved means saved from death and offered life. And a really important thing to understand about that life is that, yes, that means we'll go to heaven and all that kind of thing. But actually, that's not really what it's about. It's about life now and forever. Okay, it is about that life now and forever. And the important thing about that life is that that's life with Jesus. Because that's what we are created for. We were created to live with, our, you know, with, with God. God created us to be with him. And being saved means being rescued and brought back. It means being adopted into his family. Okay. So, you know, you might have heard the formula, you know, admit, believe, confess, ABC. It's as easy as ABC. You admit your sins, that you're, you're all wrong. You believe in God and you confess with your mouth like it says in the Bible. But actually it's more than just that. It's actually about saying to God, yes. I want to come back to you. You know, if you've never actually done that, um, you know, you should come and talk to us on the last half of the church and actually talk about what that means to do that. If you have done that, just reflect on it and think, yes, I am so glad that I turned my life around and I came back to Jesus. Hello? Well, I lost traction here. Eli, I've got a pop-up on the screen there. Something funny happened. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we get one. We're here. Thank you. Okay. So, let's have a talk about what it actually means being to be a child of God then. Okay. I just mentioned that word adoption. That gets used a lot in the Bible, that idea. Adoption into the family. Um, Romans chapter 8, 15 for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Of course, that means sons and daughters. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Brought back into the family. Children of God. I love that, you know, Abba, Father. That word Abba, you know, really does it. Translates as, as Daddy or possibly even Dada. You know, it's the kind of, it's the first thing that a babbling child is able to say. What an astonishing idea that we can address the God who created the universe like that. Because that's actually his relationship to us. To go from being... You know, I think in Ephesians 2 it says you're no longer strangers and aliens. Did you know that you were an alien, a foreigner? Okay, but you are fellow citizens. You've been brought in and members of the household of God. 
You'd be brought into God's household. When you're talking about being childlike, one thing, uh, or one incident occurs to me that seems quite, quite interesting to me was when Jesus talked to this guy called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, um, you know, he was a, he was a leader. You know, ben was talking about Nicodemus. Was it last week or the week before? Anyway, we're definitely, you know, um, we've, we've been here before, but I'm going to go over it again because I think it's really important. What I want you to think about with Nicodemus was the fact that he was a grown-up, wasn't he? Okay, he was a scholar. He knew his Bible. He knew the law. He knew about theology. He knew about all these things. He was, had high status in society. He was a member of the ruling council, so he was like a, you know, a politician too. He was a grown-up, wasn't he? So what did Jesus tell him he had to do? You've got to start over. You've got to be born again. Or interestingly, born from above. There's actually another way you could translate the Greek. I don't think it's ever any coincidence where God has caused things to be written in the Bible where you can actually stop and look at, you know, the original words and see layers of meaning in it. Born from above, a new kind of birth. But all that adultness... All that grown-upness that Nicodemus had wasn't going to help him. He needed to start again. And the guy definitely struggled with that. Do you struggle with that? I struggle with that. I struggle with that feeling of, oh man, I could really, you know, I really feel like I should be an adult here. I should try and stand up and, you know, take charge of the situation and take responsibility and all those things. But what did Jesus say? No. You just got to be born again with that new kind of birth that comes from heaven. You know, Romans chapter six, it actually says, you know, um, you know, famous words, you were crucified with Christ. Your old life is dead, put to death, killed. But you've now got a new life with Christ, a new life. You start again. You're a different person. And I often think about that being not quite so young these days and not quite such a child physically. And I think about all the wear, wear and tear that my body has taken. And I know a lot of us will feel like this, you know, like, I remember when I was young and I could do this and that and the other. And I didn't have this scar and that broken thing and all those sorts of things. And life's a bit like that, isn't it? We feel like we've, been, we've had all the wear and tear. We've, you know, things have worn out, things have got broken. Things have happened that have got consequences. Wouldn't you like to start all over and start again? You know, I think, my goodness, if I was as fit now as I was when I was 25, the things I could do, now that I'm a bit smarter and could use that fitness, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, in Jesus, we do get the chance to start over. The scars are gone. The wear and tear is gone. Another thing about being a child of God, and, you know, by the way, um, this is not a systematic theology. In other words, this is not an attempt to actually describe everything that it means. I hope you realise that, because we could be here until well after Christmas if we did that. But these are just some things that I felt God put in my heart, which hopefully will resonate with yours. 
and will actually just help us see these things. So to be a child is to be loved. Do you want to see, do you want to see a teenager getting embarrassed? <laughs> Abigail, I love you. Sorry about that. Do you not think that one of the greatest things in life is to know that you're wanted? To know that you're appreciated, to know that you're valued. You know, and that's what it's like to be a child of God. Um, 1 John chapter 4 says, Real love isn't our love for God, but his love for us. God sent his son to be the sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. How much are you loved? That much. 1 John chapter 3 as well. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. It's not just a tag. It's not just a label. It's not just a wishful thinking slapped on us. We're not just called children of God. We are children of God. But why? Because of the kind of love that the Father has given to us. Another thing about being a child of God is that we are privileged. Now, privilege tends to be a bit of a dirty word these days, doesn't it? Because it often implies people who think that they have rights, um, you know, giving them power over other people and so on, and, you know, all that kind of thing. But actually, I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about the status that we have. And status actually can be a bit of a dirty word too, can't it? Because we kind of think it means rank or our position or, you know, where we stand in the hierarchy. But actually, the funny thing is, what it says in the Bible is that we do have status. And that's back to that story of Jesus and Peter and the temple tax. You know, what did Jesus say to Peter? You know, who, who, who do the kings take their tax off? You know, do they take it off their sons or do they take it off the rest of them? And said, it's not the sons, is it? The sons are free. You've got that status as a child of the king. A child of the king. You are not responsible for producing the tax. Because that's the king who does that. Another well-known verse in Ephesians chapter 2. God has raised us up with him. That is with Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead. God has raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places. Where do you sit? Where is your position in life? Seated like sitting down next to Jesus in heavenly places. That is actually your status as a child of God. But it's not a status that you could actually aspire to yourself. It's not a status that, status that you could work your way up to. And it's the story of pretty much the whole of the Bible that trying to work your own way up to that status is not going to work. But no, it's a status you get as a child of the king. And being a child of the king means that you have resources. You have resources available to you. And when you start thinking about this, we're starting to think about now 
what does it actually mean to live as a child of God? How do I actually practice being a child of God? We're going to get onto that sort of idea just for the last couple of minutes here. Because if you're a child of the king, then effectively you have access to all the resources of the kingdom. Um, verse that I love in Psalm 50, God is saying, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. God is reminding us in that, of who he is, of what resources he has. I own everything. Everything is mine. And there's a kind of important lesson there. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need the tax from us. We're the, we're the children of the, of the king. God doesn't need to give us anything. God is not short of stuff. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. No, God's intention is to give. So famously, Jesus compared God to an earthly father when he said, you know, if one of you's got a son and he asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, what are you going to give him, a snake? And then I love the way he puts it. He says, and you're evil, <coughs> Jesus says. You know, you evil people know how to be nice to your kids and give them good things. What about your heavenly father? Now, I think that's a good time to, to point out something, of course, is that earthly fathers, like I was saying, we're only a dim reflection of what the real father is like. And we've all had experience of fathers who are imperfect. And I know some people have had experiences that are a whole lot worse than imperfect. Real traumatic, terrible things. You know? And... You know, I actually, I actually want to pray just now um, about this because I'm aware that, you know, talk of fathers can be a thing. So, so, Lord, I just pray for anybody here who is struggling to relate to you as father being a good thing because, Lord, I know that in this broken world there is brokenness in relationships and fatherhood and everything. So, Lord, I pray for anybody who's struggling to relate to you as father, that you will reach out and touch them, that you will show them what a real father heart is, that you will heal the scars and the wounds that have come in. Because God, you are our father. You are the one who loves us. You are the one who never lets us down. You are the one who never, never does us harm. So Lord, I just pray that we'll actually know that, that all of us will know your, what your father heart is really like and what a real father is because you are the real father. Amen. Yeah. So, so you know, Jesus was saying, yeah, you know, you're evil. Okay? Some of us would like to think that we're good parents. Okay? Later, all right? Um, okay? But actually, Jesus, Jesus, you know, says it like it is is that actually we all know that according to the true standard that we were created to live by, we're evil, you know. But actually, we still have some of the image of God, even those who don't actually follow God, who don't claim Jesus as Lord, who don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Actually, you'll see plenty of people like that showing, 
love and compassion, giving good things to their kids. But God's father heart is just way above that. So, just to finish then, a couple of ideas for how we can actually try walking like a child. Because I don't know about you, but I, I love, you know, do you know what, I actually love theology. I actually love reading and studying and thinking about what God is like, how it all works. And yet, just doing that on its own, you know, I mean, I, 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 I love it. I read these books and they, they, they give some sort of understanding of who God is and it makes me worship it makes me think God you are amazing but actually I still need to know what I'm going to do when I get up tomorrow morning and that's the situation we're all in isn't it like most of life comes down to the question what do I do now really okay so let's think of a few things we can do and again this is not a systematic instruction manual in how to walk as a child of God this is just a few things that God's put on my heart things that some of them has been, been teaching me um, and helping me to start walking in. So hopefully they'll help you too. So first thing is gratitude. Okay. Do you notice with small kids, they very often don't stop and think very much about where all their blessings come from. They kind of take it for granted. But actually, there is something in a childlike attitude. Abigail, what was, um, what was Judah like this morning? What was he running around saying? You remember? I got a yeah, I just heard Judah running around saying, "Happy got me a present," <laughs> because Abigail gave him a little present. That was all. And do you know what? That that childlike, huh? You know, someone's being nice to me. That's gratitude. Can we actually practice developing that attitude towards God, recognizing when God does something good for you, whether that is a major thing, a big deal, you know, healing you of some serious thing, or whether it's like God just shows you a nice sunset on the way home from work just to cheer you up. You know, God does lovely things for us all the time, like a good father. So actually, just take time to clock those. You know, you might even have heard of an idea of like having a gratitude diary. Actually clock and write down the things that you can be grateful for because, man, does it shape your attitude when you do that. You know. Another way of being a child of God is being a child implies being part of a family, doesn't it? Okay, so here we are, part of the family of God, all of us. Um, now, when, when Abby's older um, brother and sister were young, in our family, we, we um, coined a new word, actually, a new verb, to sibyl. Do you know what to sibyl means? Almost, almost, except possibly not quite with those connotations. To sib- sibling is, of course, what siblings do. Okay. And it usually means, you know, the implication was like squabbling, fighting, you know, <laughs> trying to get one over on each other and so on. That's, that's the sibyl. But you know, we are all siblings, aren't we, in the family of God? And actually, yeah, I think maybe Johnny's got a point there. Let's, let's, let's think of a better definition of the sibyl. Right. Okay. Um, that actually, actually, you know, what should we be doing? Looking at each other, okay? Look each other in the eyes and say, you know, 
you don't have to do this now, kind of if you want to. <laughs> um, say, you know, you are a child of God. At least acknowledge that. Say it to yourself. This person I'm talking to is a child of God. They are my sibling, my equal. Which, of course, we don't often want to admit, do we? You know, we'd rather think, well, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm the special one, you know. Um, but, 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 but actually, that is a way of walking as a child of God. You know, even people who are not yet in God's family. You know, yes, you can have the same attitude to them because actually that's the prodigal son still out there in the pig pen. You know, whatever they look like, if you've not actually come home to Jesus, that is actually where you are. And so we can look at these kind of people as, you know, yeah, maybe they're not our siblings yet, but, you know, what's God's heart towards them? Can we actually take something off our father and learn that? <coughs> Another way of walking as a child of God is just to know his love. And sometimes that can be difficult, can't it? Sometimes it can be quite hard to actually feel. Like, yeah, yeah, I know God loves us because it says that in the Bible, but to be honest, I don't really feel like it today. Or this week, or this year, or my whole life. Okay. But actually, um, Romans 5, which is the bit where it's talking about, do you know what? God sometimes puts you through tough times. But actually, he's doing it for your benefit. He's to build you up, to strengthen you, to build up your character, um, to give you hope, interestingly. Hope, what a great thing that is. Hope does not put us to shame, he goes on, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And that word poured, interestingly, another, another possible translation of that, another use for that word, is wasted, splashed around, chucked about. Okay, that's how God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here is a fact. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. If you've received Jesus, believed in him, as we were talking about, and you have therefore got the right to be a child of God, then you have received the Holy Spirit and he's in you. You can ask him. Give me a hug. I need a hug. Okay, you can experience the love of God. Another way that I find great is just to sing. Worship God. I think I don't need to say more than that. Obviously, there's some songs that are quite explicit where we're actually singing the words which talk about being a child of God. You know, you can sing, I am a child of God all the way home. Or Father God, I wonder, you know. Um, but, but actually, you know, anything where you are actually putting yourself in that right position relative to God, as in sitting at his feet saying, you are amazing, I love you, then that's actually being a child of God. Um, here's another thing that children do. Children shout for help. Children actually, when they're in trouble, you know, what's their first reaction you shout for help. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with a little story that happened on Friday. Um, our older daughter, Maddie, was um, after working pretty hard at her first job for quite a while, was really looking forward to getting away with some of her friends to visit another uni friend in Paris. Um, and so, you know, getting up in the morning in Glasgow on Friday, um, what happened on Friday? Um, of course, it started to snow all over Scotland quite heavily. 
And we got a sort of panic message from Maddie saying, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it. The buses are all off, the motorways closed by snow, you know, all this sort of thing. And so, you know, parental responses kicked in because that's what parents do when your kids... And so I helpfully, um, you know, looked up a picture of the... Uh, um, you know, the traffic cameras on the M8 um, showing that it was covered with snow um, and I said, oh, there you go, it doesn't look too bad. Um, <laughs> uh, Lisa, God bless her, realised that this was a, a God moment here because actually what she said was, you know, your dad would come and rescue you there. And I thought, well, yeah, I would, you know, if I was like within 100 miles, I would, I would happily drive through a snowdrift to help out my child, you know. But what Lisa said was, but your, you know, your heavenly father, he actually loves you. He wants good things for you. And so Lisa said, you know, I'm just totally confident. I'm going to pray and God is going to get you, get you to the airport. You know, it's all going to work out. And so with one minute to spare, yes, Maddie did get to the airport. Okay. But you see, sometimes you just need your dad to come through for you, don't you? And again, I know in our earthly lives, you know, I can think of so many times as a father where I have failed to come through in that way. But there is one father who does not fail to come through ever. Something, something I find quite helpful sometimes is, um, you know, some of these, like I like to call them Holy Spirit imagination things, where you actually, um, it's a little bit like asking God for a vision or a picture, you know, and you just imagine yourself in a situation and you think, you know, what would happen imagine yourself lost in a crowd as a small child so you're looking at everybody at about belly button height kind of thing you know and you don't know where you're going all you can see is like confusion round about you and chaos what are you going to ask as a small child you're going to say you know daddy hold my hand daddy where are you hold my hand and do you know what God comes through for you when you do that so, you know, there are, yeah, there are a whole lot of things we can do. And I know I said at the start, it seems a little bit weird, you know, deliberately and intentionally putting in practices in place to be like a child. But I hope those things help a little bit, um, you know, for, for how to do that. Because the truth is that you are a child of God. If you received Jesus, if you believed in him, if you said, yep, I am going to put you first, I'm not going to try and put myself first. Then you are a child of God and you have that right. You have the right to God's resources, to God's help. So a couple of closing questions to leave you to think about there. You know. So, am I a child of God? If I am a child of God, I guess, you know, am I living my life like a child of the King? Am I actually doing that? What things could I do? any of those things. So I just thought that really at the end. We're waiting in hope for the fullness of God's kingdom life, aren't we? That's what Advent's about. That's what we've been reflecting on these last couple of weeks. And we can receive that and live in that life through Jesus. We can be children of God. Here's our closing prayer for today. Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, um, ask a young person what the emojis mean. That's a, okay, that's, that's a mic drop. 
okay? Because we're just going to say, okay? So can we all say that, all right? One, two, three, all right? Just say it, all right? One, two, three, our Father. That's it. Of course, the rest of that well-known prayer is important. But let's just think, yes, I've got a Father. I've got a Father who is good, who loves me, who has made me a child of the King, who's seated me in heavenly places, who's, who's given me all those resources, who loves me, who loves me, who loves me. Lord, I thank you that you are our Father. And Lord, I pray that you will, by your Holy Spirit, help us live in that reality. Amen. We'll close the service, I guess, yeah. Um, okay. If, if there's anything in that which you want to talk about, if that's, if that's you know, um, got you thinking, if there's anything you want to talk about, can't and say you know, if, there's, if you're actually thinking, well, I'm not sure I ever actually have received Jesus and become a child of God. Yeah, come and talk to us about that. If there's anything else, um, if you need prayer for anything, prayer for healing, um, you know, just, yeah, for a hug from God, okay, you can come and talk about us too. Um, but now if you've got kids, you can go and get your kids from next door. Um, coffee and I saw an awful lot of very nice looking goodies, biscuits and things too. So go and enjoy those. God bless.